The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... to what we do here at the song confessional so we we collect recordings of people telling stories anonymously right we've got this booth in austin you can go anytime tell us a story we've got a a trailer we travel around the country go to events people come in the trailer tell us stories we choose our favorite ones we give them to songwriters and bands who then write and record an original song inspired by that anonymous confession each week on this podcast you will hear an anonymous confession, you'll hear the song and inspired, and you'll hear an interview with the songwriter. I'm sitting here with my favorite reason to move away from where I'm from. <laughs> what? Tell them your name. Oh, it's so cute. What's up? I'm Zach. How are you doing today, Zach? I mean, great. You just told me you're willing to move across the country with me, so uh, you know that's a fantasy of mine. Yeah, get the F out of Texas. It's getting dark here, folks. Getting always has been, you know. That's true. That's true. It it does feel like something has shifted with our uh, local politics where it's gotten significantly darker. But maybe I'm just finally wising up. I think the voice is just louder of everything, you know. It's like, hey, Texas is dark. It what? feels it feels that way. Yes. It registered on my dark scale when I moved here as a kid from Jersey. Mm-hmm. That was like the only time I've ever moved across the country. Mm-hmm. I'd like to experience that as an adult, but it's a uh, yeah. I moved when I moved here as a kid. I was like, oh, this, this place is definitely a little different. <laughs> it's creeps me out a little more. Yeah, yeah. And I came from New Jersey. Yeah, and a lot of people are very creeped out by New Jersey. Sure. But and to to be fair, I think both. Uh, are valid yeah <laughs> i think new jersey is a little creepy and i think texas is a little fucked up i have no arguments yep. uh the state where we took this confession and where our artist is from is also a little fucked up but i will say that north carolina is on average i think more beautiful than texas or new jersey agree disagree agree yeah yeah can't disagree i mean with it's that. it's perfectly in the middle you got a little south you got a little north you get a little east coast True. It's, you got. I mean, it's a it's a blend, you know. It's a blend. But those hills and those mountains, whoo, and that ocean, that coastline, and the coastline, Outer Banks, it's got gorgeous. It's got both. It's got both. We found ourselves in the great state of North Carolina because we were invited to go to Arts Plosure last fall, 
Uh, and yeah, we've been to the Triangle a lot, but never, never with the song professional. That's yeah, that's true. It was our first time out there taking confessions. Uh, Arts Pleasure is a pretty, pretty cool little celebration of many types of local art, artisans, mm-hmm. painters, of course, music, and we really grabbed some pretty great confessions. We did. We spent two days parked uh, in downtown Raleigh. Uh, when we got there, the the weather was atrocious. It uh, seemed it a very, downpour. It was a downpour, and it seemed like maybe we were going to do nothing the first day but sit in the trailer and try not to get wet. Not just a downpour. Didn't we hear it was the hardest rain they'd seen in 100 years? Like actual 100-year yeah, flood? Not something. not just like the term that everybody throws around in Texas that happens every fucking year, but yeah. like actual 100-year flood? I don't know if it was a flood, but it was like the most rain they'd ever it had on something that like, late in the year or something. Something like 12 inches. I mean, it was like mind-blowing. Yeah, it was a lot of rain. I thought like nothing good was going to happen. Um, but yeah. the the first day shaped up amazing. And what I remember about this confession was... It was the end of the day. It was the end of the night. Mm-hmm. The music was over. True last confession, yeah? I feel uh, like second I, to last. Second to last, okay. So our confessor and her friend came up, and they were talking to you guys, and uh, she came in, and... Talk- w- I was just going to say they were talking to us for a while. I remember it was... Uh, there was a lot of coaxing involved. There was We talked for probably 30 minutes outside the trailer before anybody even got in. Really? Yeah. Well, I just remember she came in, and, and you hear a little bit of this left in the confession uh, edit, but it took a minute to get her to open up. Yeah. Because it seemed like she wasn't going to, and then we got this amazing th- thing out of it. And then she left, and we could have been done. I had completely saged myself out of existence in that trailer. I just kept lighting sage while I was listening to this woman talk and it was really hazy in there. And then her friend came in and it was, it was of equal quality. Like he was an amazing confessor too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really amazing first day. Very dynamic pairing those two. They were, yeah. they had, they seemed to have a very good friendship for one. Mm-hmm. They are like true endearing friends. Yep. Um, and it, you could kind of, feel that connection in their individual stories in a way, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Like you could just tell they're like-minded people. Totally. And we got, uh, actually an artist who performed at the festival to write a song based on this confession. Uh, we asked Libby Rodenbow, uh, to write this song. I, it, you'll hear it very soon. I think it's fantastic. And, uh, why would people know Libby? Well, you might've heard of her solo record spectacle of love which came out in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's probably better known as one of the members of the band Mipso. She plays fiddle and she sings. Mipso has been based in the triangle for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. They tore their asses off, uh, which we discuss at length in the interview. Uh, I don't yep. often talk to musicians who are constantly on the road still, but Libby and Mipso have been on the road all fall. Yeah through the winter yeah they seem to work quite hard she mentions that in in the interview too i mean we we've toured a lot and mm-hmm. she mentions a couple of years of playing 200 shows it, a year definitely. I'm just like oh god yeah <laughs> yeah mipso i think mipso uh started as more of a something closer to tr- traditional bluegrass and evolved into something more like kind of indie rock mm-hmm. indie folk um but I could see how their their setup and their style would lend itself to all kinds of pairings and bookings. And as we talk about at length, she has toured her ass off for yeah. the last 10 plus years. Libby's solo music 
is more uh, down tempo, I'd say, than, than Mipso, but it features her voice, uh, her beautiful voice, even more so, and you will hear that on this track. But before you get to hear this amazing new song from her, you have to hear this confession. Confession. Were you ever raised to be religious? Were you raised in a church or anything like that? No, I was not. I was raised in Southern California. Uh huh. With my parents, never really went to church. I had a very religious grandma who I feel like was really grappling with her own loneliness and isolation. Uh huh. And that is how she so significantly found God. Yeah. And. I feel like that was actually a really big turnoff for me because it was like her negative, like the way she used religion was very judgmental. Mm-hmm. And so, and by and religion, which, which I'm, excuse, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Finish your thought. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, and also because it wasn't something that my parents ever really talked or cared about. I didn't ever. I never really got lessons in like probably more beautiful parts of religion or the parts that maybe are less soul crushing to other people or less impactful. So it's really, I just got mm-hmm. the perception of judgment from the only really religious person in my life. And, and when you say religious, she was Christian. She was, yes, uber Christian. Uber Christian. And your parents weren't Christian, so you were never really Christian. My parents would say that they're Christian, but I wouldn't say that they've, we've never gone to church together. Got it. And so, how did you end up here in North Carolina? Um, I moved to North Carolina, and it's only, it's probably a temporary move because of COVID. Uh-huh. I'm from Seattle. Okay. Well, I live, obviously, I grew up in Southern California, but then moved to Seattle as a young adult. And then I was just going through a series of really challenging experiences, like a really bad breakup. And then two injuries in a row that took a couple of years of physical therapy that were really impactful. And then had some friendships dissolve. And then was just like, everything about being here feels crushing. And everywhere I turn around that feels familiar also has this grief associated with it. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit and I was just working from home and was feeling so lonely and isolated that I decided that it made the most sense to go to a place where I literally didn't know anybody. So being lonely and isolated made sense. So I got rid of all of my stuff, got a van, and got me and my cats, and we just, like, moved across the country, thinking we'd only be here for a couple months. And so far, we've been here a year. And how did you choose... You live in Raleigh. I technically live in Durham. You live in Durham, okay. How how did you choose the triangle? Um, I had it on a list because I know of several people from the Raleigh area that live in the Pacific Northwest and they are some of the coolest people I've ever met. Uh-huh. And, I, and I wanted to pick somewhere that was someplace very different than I'd ever lived. Like I've always been along the West Coast so I've spent a lot of time like visiting the states that are around there and was like, I just, my only experience with the East Coast was like going to New York for a weekend. Yeah. And so I was just, this feels like the the most different I can get. It was literally on the other side of the country. Yeah. And then I... As I was deciding on my short list, Raleigh was already on it. It was like Raleigh, South Carolina, Atlanta, and like some deserty places. And then one of my, somebody I don't know very well, but do know and did like, was like, I'm moving back to Raleigh. And I was like, well, I know at least one person there. Yeah. Um, and I actually only meant to stay here for three months. But now it maybe kind of fits. You, I mean, you might stay here longer. Yeah. I don't know if it's where I want to be forever. I'm starting to feel a little bit of the like... I kind of want to move around a little bit more and experience more. 
one of the most, I think one of the most profound experiences of my life was driving across the country by mm. myself and just, it really set in and it was almost like, how do I say this? Like a transcendent experience of like complete understanding of the vastness that is the American tapestry and just being like, this helps me understand so much of like some of the political tension or like cultural tensions in the sense of like, yeah, this South Dakota is incredibly different than the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So it was just really eye-opening and beautiful to have to navigate like all of these different, it seems weird because it's not really that different of a culture. It's still America, but it is also like being here is a bit of a culture shock. So I've really enjoyed that, like traversing across the country and would really like to go back and then like come back so that I can just go through the Midwest and go through everything that's probably like the long, boring drives of like Kansas Plains and cornfields and then like come back through the South. What um, you, you said that, you know, you were, you lived in Seattle for a long time. How long did you live there? Probably 12 years. So you lived there for about 12 years and then, you know, you had some injuries and some friendships dissolve and a relationship ended and you, you were feeling lonely. Obviously COVID you said mentioned as well, but you said then you came here and the loneliness you, you were somewhere where lo- loneliness made sense. Can you say more about that? Like what the difference was? Yeah. When I was in Seattle, I was like, I literally live within a 20 minute drive of probably like a hundred people that I know and mm-hmm. care about and feel a sense of connection to. But when COVID hit and everybody was in their pods and then like my immediate pod dissolved, it was just being in a place that feels so familiar, but feeling like you don't have the same connection to it was incredibly lonely. Yeah. And so it was like, if I'm in a place where like, I don't know anybody, then there isn't the pressure of feeling like I should be having a different experience here or like, yeah, like there's no, there isn't somebody here. I feel like I, maybe I'm not doing enough as if like, it kind of took away some of the guilt. Like maybe part of why I'm not feeling connected is because I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if I live far away, I can't do more. Yeah. And also it was just this feeling of stagnation and stuckness that was like, I don't like, I don't know how to reset my routine in a way that feels good. And everything I was trying within the like parameters of what I know in my social situation and like who I knew, it just, I felt like I was always bumping into grief. Like, yeah, totally. Like things like, it was like things that should be like, oh, I know all of these people and this would be a really fun party to go to. It's all of a sudden like, Ah, also it hurts. Like these things that are supposed to be fun now have this Mm -hmm. pain associated with them. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like I needed to go somewhere where I wouldn't bump into anything that was familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. One theme I hear, though, that that is really true, and it is is a quintessentially American thing, is just the ability to travel somewhere else in this country and start over. It's like something that's unique to our culture. But, it, and when you drive, I've been a touring musician for 10 years, 15 years. So I see this, but the country is so big and vast. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, this is a progressive area, but it's not a progressive area in the same way that Seattle is, you know, it's not, it's not a, the mountains aren't the same, you know, it, we, we live in a huge country and you mm-hmm. really can go start over somewhere else. It's, I think it's actually one of the most amazing things about our culture that yeah. you can go do something like that. Yeah, I know? F- yeah, I do feel incredibly privileged to also be able to do it because it's like not everybody can just 
pick up because their job doesn't always allow. Like, yeah, I was going to say, do you have the kind of work that you can do that? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but it is... It has been pretty profound. Like, it, I still feel like I feel the same crippling loneliness, but it feels also like part of this is part of a bigger experience uh-huh. doing it this way and like understanding a different part of the country because like, like it is so vast and people are it's like people are the same same but different everywhere mm-hmm. but there is I think it's easier to wrap my mind around like differing opinions now that I have seen more of the world like not more of the world but more of the United States in the sense of like like I still really wish everybody would get vaccinated but I sort of have a little bit more empathy for those who like don't yeah. Or, or like, I can understand a little bit more of, like, where their fears or apprehensions are coming from. Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like the West Coast also is a little bit... There is a pretentiousness about the West Coast, and there's, like, this idea... Like, there's this concept of Seattle having the Seattle freeze, which means, like, it's really hard to get to know people there. Mm-hmm. And everybody said that when I moved there, and I was like, oh, I don't really feel it. I don't know what you're talking about. And then I moved here, and I was like, oh, I get it, because people here are so friendly. I have yeah. meaningful interactions with, like, the gro- the person at the grocery store, like, bringing up my groceries. Like, we end up having a great conversation, or just, like, I have a lot of more friendly, random interactions, and there is something about here that feels so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's a place that I, like, I'm like, I still don't totally understand how to be here. Yeah. Um, because it is so different. Yeah. But it's also the same. Yeah. It is that stuff. It, it is interesting. My 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 read on the rural American thing into the the vaccine is just a symptom of something that I've witnessed a lot, which is that the government, the federal government, doesn't do anything for a lot of our country mm-hmm. in a really visible, really like any kind of uni- municipal government doesn't just they just don't interact so yeah. it's like I'm not I don't trust you and then not to mention all the terrible things the government has done or, mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. but it is interesting the regional stuff I mean this is uh, the, the south is very friendly you know if you mm-hmm. if you look a certain way and you act a certain way like it is a very very friendly place compared to yeah Seattle or New York City and all places that I really love but yeah. It is different though. Like people are really friendly in like moments, but I haven't really been able to make like any significant friendship exactly. But I also it's a pandemic, so I can't tell how much of it is just like this. Like I'm not in a place where I am going to an office every day to repeatedly be around the same people. Yeah, that must be so. That must be tough, but but also. It might be easier in the sense that, like, at least you know that's a factor, whereas if it wasn't a factor, you might just be blaming yourself or something. Yeah, I was a bit in a spiral of a lot of, like, I think unweaving a lot of self-doubt and shame that also was, like, part of having some relationships end that make you sort of be like, why is this happening if it's, like, what's the common denominator might be me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, being in therapy. Uh, so, yeah, it was a little bit of, like undoing that idea of like this is about me or like I'm a bad person because these relationships didn't turn out or this must be my fault or if I had just been this or done this and like so this does kind of take away like loneliness makes sense when you are alone in a different place mm-hmm. and I don't know but at the same time I feel like maybe being out here and having a place where I'm like always alone and have to try so hard to make friends is almost reinforcing some of the bad feelings I'm having about myself because I don't have any external validation to be like, no, you're cool. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just me ruminating with my own thoughts over and over and just like, mm-hmm. it's just me and my cats. Yeah. 
So, so it's interesting. I, I feel like this year I spent so much time dissecting feelings of isolation and loneliness. Yeah. And it is now makes me so almost mad when I think about how many people feel lonely and isolated and like they can't connect. And I'm like, that's such a weird human gap because all of us want, most of us, not everybody, but like all of us want that and we're all here being like lonely on our own, but so close together. It's like, yeah. And I find that just, it's so sad. I think it's a huge contributor to the loneliness thing because if you are like stuck with all of these feelings about maybe like, you know, a lot of it does boil down to like feelings of shame is really a lot of my isolation when I think about is, oh, it's like, I feel like one is that I just don't have that many people to interact with because I'm also an extrovert, but there's also this element of like being lonely is also shameful. Like I found like I was almost embarrassed that I like feel lonely and I was like that is so fucked up yeah you're really eloquent by the way oh oh, thank you you're really good at 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 articulating all of these these dynamics you're describing it's like really complex well listen I really I really appreciate you coming in here and and being very vulnerable and open I don't really have anything else to ask I feel like there's a lot of stuff in here yeah do you have anything else that you want to add no, just that I love the concept of this and I'm excited to see what comes Thank you. And here's East by Libby Rodenbo. Nobody ever knows it when I'm sad I keep the house clean and I know how to dance But we're all breathing in the same air I cannot disguise it So I saddled up my pony I put boots on my feet They said it would be lonely Well that's what I see going Now that I'm leaving the West 
just heard Yeast by Libby Rodenbo. Jim is out promoting the new Spoon record, Lucifer on the Sofa, so it will just be me and Zach doing production notes today. This is a really pretty song. It has a beautiful dissonant quality to it. I kind of feel like the way the instruments are contrasting as it moves through the song, there's like this kind of like rhythm and looseness that changes and then it goes back to being tight with her guitar and her voice and when that looseness happens it's like I kind of feel like every instrument is telling one of her emotions that made her leave in a way yeah well there's just the there's just the piano and the guitar and when the piano starts playing that triplet thing with the right hand it's really cool I I love how thing that changes it just breathes so much and it, it almost feels like you know when you're having two different thoughts in your head and they're competing yeah. that's that's the feeling i get from that it's like okay am i making the right decision moving should i be staying it's like you can feel her leaving that comfort it's a it's a good exercise in minimalism this song you know it doesn't <clears throat> she doesn't have a lot of tools at her disposal there's basically her lead vocal the rhythm guitar the piano and then some harmonies and that's it minimalism yet still and a very bird. powerful and there's a also bird. bird noise at the end it's a very cute little addition at the end actually so we were at Art Explosure in October, and afterwards we sent uh, five confessions to to Libby, mm-hmm. and Libby was on tour, and we had a couple months, so we didn't you know, didn't pressure her too much. Basically, said listen to them and decide your favorite. And uh, I I love we I think we both love all the confessions we sent to her, but I was surprised this was the one she chose. Yeah, it actually was like uh, some of the some of those other confessions seemed more obvious maybe Ma- can, let's let's explain why they were more obvious let's explain okay? why okay okay so one of the confessions is um a middle school uh girl uh talking about her first relationship mm-hmm. very serious stuff they kissed mm-hmm. he said i love you and then what and she very mercifully dumped him <laughs> because she did not love him which very fair evolved thinking in middle school i mean it's just like you know what uh yes i i appreciate that you love me but i don't love you so i'm gonna let you free yeah and (laughs) the okay so it's a good confession in of itself but then she'd already written a song about it yeah which she plays for me off of her phone during the confession session confession session that's fun so stay tuned for that one hopefully in the future yes hopefully another one which uh was also pretty amazing was a man uh describing how when he was a teenage boy he had sex with or had an affair with an adult woman and how for years he related to it as it was like cool and amazing and helped him grow up become a man you know that kind of thing and yeah, and then when he got older, yeah, he started to have very different feelings about it once he had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it, all, he had all the criteria of a great confessor. He's well, well, good at telling his story. The story itself was interesting, and the topic is amazing. But Libby didn't choose that either. Didn't choose that. There was a pretty amazing one that was one of my favorites because I thought it was just so funny mm-hmm. of a uh, a mom whose kids recently left the house. Uh, well, I, I think there was two kids. One was older, but the last one recently left the house to go to college. And instead of being sad and nostalgic, she was fucking thrilled. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's <clears throat> it, it's just such a joy to hear parents not like their children. I don't know what it is. It's just a, the beauty of honesty. <laughs> yeah. It's just that you don't You're hear right. that. Everybody's like, oh, my child's the best this, the best that. And just like she was like, I'm so fucking glad they're gone. I love that. It was great. And then the, the, the last option she had, besides the one she chose, was um, this man describing how his father's death led to his divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it, it, similar to the confession you heard earlier, it, it, you say the subject and it might not sound particularly interesting, but he was just super, super self-aware and very eloquent and actually friends with our confessor from this episode. They came together. Mm-hmm. They did. And they did. Uh, I, I, I was just sitting in there com- completely doused in sage. I spoke with her. She left and then I spoke with him. It's a good one, too, way to end the day. Well, you guys are going to hear all about why Libby chose this particular confession um, and the writing and recording of the song in Walker's interview with her. Interview. 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 Who am I speaking with? This is Libby Rodenbow. Uh, Libby Rodenbow. How did you get that name? Um, my parents named me, actually my full name is Elizabeth and that is a family name and they called me Libby ever since I was a baby, maybe because they felt Elizabeth was too formal and I was kind of a casual baby. Mm -hmm. You live in the triangle. So you live in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area. Is that where you're from? I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina, which is like an hour away. And your family has been in North Carolina for a long time. My dad's family has, uh, was from his, his dad was from Pennsylvania and he had, um, he goes back actually that side of the family goes back to the civil war because we had a, we had a union. Um, uh, I don't actually know what his rank was, but some type of officer in our family whose name was Theophilus, which is a pretty cool family name. And, And his mom was, and his mom's family was in Virginia. And my mom's family was sort of scattered throughout the deep South. A part of this confession, which I want to get into uh, later is this woman has an experience of like of traveling our country and, you know, really understanding how different regions are different. So I'm curious growing up, did you travel a lot to see your family and to do stuff or were you spend, did you spend most of your time, in uh, North Carolina? I was in North Carolina most of the time. We took very, I had, I have three siblings and so family trips were kind of an undertaking. Um, So I, we traveled some when I was young, but most of my parents' family lived in North Carolina by the time I was born. So um, I, I, I feel pretty Southern, although I also, growing up in Greensboro, it was sort of like, anywheresville a little bit like i was just in sort of like comfortable american white suburbia Mm -hmm. um and it was only as i got older and actually probably as i started touring and going to other places that i started to feel more of a sense of southern identity for people that aren't familiar with uh your other music project i guess who have you toured or in what project have you toured the country with mainly my main gig is in a band called Mipso, mm-hmm. which is sort of an Americana 
folk deal. Um, and we got together when I was in college. We all went to college at UNC in uh, Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And then we started touring while we were still in college. And then we decided to keep doing it after school. And I think we all thought it would be a short term thing. But that's all we've done since. That's the only job I've ever done. Yeah. I was going to say, how long have you been in this band now? Now it's been, I, well, today's my birthday. Actually, I turned 31 today. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, so I guess we've been doing this for like, uh, 11 years or so. Man, that is a long time to sustain a band. It is, it is. It's so exhausting when I look back on all the interpersonal ups and downs that that entails that I'm like, I, I don't know how I could do it again, but yeah. I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you don't. And so you, you said earlier that you guys started touring together and part of that process for you was you started to identify more as Southern as you did that. How, what kind of like clip have you guys been touring at over the last decade? Like, are you on the road like a hundred days a year or what has it been like? There was a while, there were a couple of years in there where we were doing close to 200 shows a year. Wow. Um, And that was really exhausting. And that's kind of when we were, I guess we were probably like 23 to 25 and we were kind of like, it's now or never, we got to make it or we're not going to make it. And then as we got into our later 20s, we were like, well, not that many people really make it or what is making it really? We already have made it. And what's more we need to make sure we're enjoying our lives and maintaining some semblance of a home life too. So now we, now we're, well, COVID has been weird, but I would say in a typical year, we're like hovering around uh, 80 to a hundred shows in a year. Which is still a lot because I imagine, I imagine most of those are not at home. So you're traveling to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you can say a little more about, you know, southernness and sort of coming to understand that as you travel, like, do you have any examples uh, of that, what that was like for you? Well, when I was, uh, even before I was full-time with the band, I took a year off of college and I was, I play violin, I grew up playing violin, like in orchestra, Mm -hmm. high school orchestra and stuff. And I was not good enough to be a classical violinist professionally. And I thought, okay, well, I guess that's the end of me playing this instrument. But that was sad to me. And so I got interested in fiddle styles. And I went to this folk music school in Chicago called the Old Town School of Folk Music. It's also, um, they also have a venue. And started taking classes um, in fiddle and claw hammer banjo and also in guitar because I'd never learned how to play guitar. So it's just started doing like acoustic music 101. And people were really befuddled by me because a lot of them considered the South to be kind of the homeland of the music they were trying to play. And they thought it was really funny that I'd left North Carolina to come up to Chicago and learn about like old time fiddle. Mm-hmm. And the band Mipso that I j- ended up joining also kind of has like a bluegrass leaning or we did when we started. And I didn't grow up listening to that at all. I grew up listening to like, you know, indie rock and top 40 and stuff. Um, And so in order to kind of like play this music well, I had to learn a lot about the place I'm from. And I learned, you know, I realized that this music, both the history of it and the, the living sort of tradition bearers 
were and are all around me. And it's sort of like, you know, you don't see it until you're looking for it. Um, and then I, I felt very connected to that music and also to the place I'm from and to um, family members who've been here for a long time. Um, but for a while, there was a part of it that almost felt like I was masquerading as a Southerner or something because I was playing in this band and trying my best to, I would say, like sloppily approximate bluegrass fiddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, especially when we were far away from home, I mean, especially when we were in like Europe or something, everybody, you know, took it at face value that I was an authentic Southerner. And it brought up a lot of questions for me about whether I was right to try to play this type of music or, you know, what, what people are allowed to uh, put on as performers and as kind of like ambassadors of the place they're from. Yeah. You get into all sorts of tricky questions about like authenticity and if that's even really possible uh, with a lot of like great traditions like this. I mean, my name is Walker and I'm from Texas yeah. I, like, everywhere I've gone all over the world, people have seen that stupid fucking show and it, but it's, but it's a way in. I mean, my, my folks are from Texas. None of my family is, but to a lot of people, like I am really embody that on paper. Um, but it's not, you know, I, my family is not from here. I just happen to live here, you know, but it's, but it's been forced on me in this kind of like fun little way for mo- most of my life because Again, on paper, it's like, oh, you're the most Texas thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this this song that you wrote was based on this confession, which the people have just heard. Can you describe in your own words what this confession was about? Yeah, well, it it is about more than it seemed to be about when it started. It's um it's about a woman who has left um the West Coast, the the Northwest, and moved to Raleigh almost um that's almost a random decision um she basically just wants to leave town and as the as the story develops we realize that there's a lot more to this there's a lot more emotionally involved in this decision to leave um it has a lot to do with trying to like understand herself trying to honor her feelings of sadness and disconnection with her social group, um, relating to a breakup and some physical ailments and other things. And it's also trying, I, I got from it a sense that she was trying to understand herself in the context of her parents and the family that she came from mm-hmm. and trying not to let her life be ruled by fear. And I guess trying trying to force herself to be uncomfortable to see if she can kind of rise to the occasion and and um, grow out of it. Yeah, I I just uh, re-listened to the confession. I I am I was talking to her obviously, um, and one thing I was struck by that I really admired about her was that she was kind of having this journey a little later in life. Like it wasn't something that you know her grappling with her childhood and and trying to like better her social life and whatever it was, you know, basically just have a better life. Um, she really had already had like a full active life mm-hmm. in Seattle and then uprooted herself. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't like someone doing that in their early twenties or someone doing that. It seemed to me like she was older and much more established 
um, which I found even more impressive in a way. Yeah. I mean, she was, it's almost because she was established that she wanted to leave, which I agree is much harder. I mean, I, I always thought I would move somewhere. I always thought I would move out of the South in my early twenties and I sort of never got around to it. And now in my early thirties, that feels untenable that I would, that I would start over somewhere at this point. Yeah. So what, did you connect with in her confession that you wanted to capture in the song? Well, I guess it was the sort of relatability of the things she was talking about, but maybe the unconventional sort of part of that narrative, sort of what you're alluding to, that she was not like moving to New York as a bright eyed 22 year old, Mm -hmm. but leaving a big city that she'd moved to as a bright eyed young person to sort of like enter the unknown. Um, and also I liked that there was a sort of reverse manifest destiny thing happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. It's like going East, going where it's, it's very established. Everything is <laughs> right. very established. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the thing I love about your song is it's one, it's very beautiful, but two, you sort of left it, um, it feels like it, it really, uh, it stays true to what happened in the confession, but it really stands on its own. Like you would not have to have any under any knowledge of where it came from to sort of appreciate the song. Is that, do you think that's an accurate description of it? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to write something that I felt I could sing honestly and not feel like I was totally, um, like inhabiting her character you know, even though I've never moved east from anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I also wanted, I feel like as most songwriters are trying to do, I was trying to keep it open enough that a lot of people could read themselves into the story if they wanted to as well. Maybe this is an impossible question to answer. It might be as I'm thinking, saying this out loud, but you know, it, if I understood what you were just saying, it's important to you that you relate to the lyrics you're singing, that you feel them, but also to be general enough to where you, any, another person could. Do you have an example of a song that you just like 100% do not relate to? Just off the top of your head. That's a good question. I mean, probably like, um, there's probably like a lot of rap songs about like having a lot of money. Mm. That I don't relate to. <laughs> okay, so that's a really direct example. Yeah, I completely get that. Uh, uh, like a song about being like super powerful and on, on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like not, yeah, I got that. I'm just trying to think. I think we got most of the stuff I wanted to discuss. I'm just wondering if there's anything else about the tune itself. Um, hmm. Well, I can say something about the production of it. Oh yeah, please, please. That'd be great. Um, Which is, there isn't a lot of production. There's not much to comment on. And part of that was necessity because I was on tour up until like two days. Like I, I had two days at home after tour to get this song done. And I don't normally ride on tour, so I, that was an unfamiliar thing for me. I was sort of like sitting in the back of the van trying to like tune out the smell of farts and the like loud music on the radio to, to um 
to get in touch with my soul for the song. And then when I got home, I was trying to figure out how to record it at home without, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to bring in a whole band. And I just decided to start with the classic guitar and vocal take. And I, the only other element I put on there, I put some harmonies and the only other element was this kind of like out of time piano rolling part. And I was like, okay, there's, there's my foundation. What do I need next? And I had a little time, but I just felt like I didn't want to put anything else on it. And I think part of that is that I feel like the story is unfinished or that, you know, the story is sort of like the beginning of a musical or something. And I didn't want the song to have a kind of like, I didn't want it to make too strong of a statement. Um, in the way I wanted to sort of like leave it with an an open parenthesis or something. One of the things I find so fascinating about this confessor is that she she moved away from a place where she lived for a long time for all the reasons she laid out. Um, but I think it's fascinating that kind of unconsciously she moved to a place that is ostensibly more friendly i mean people are warmer in the south that's true it's a stereotype that does have a lot of truth to it Mm -hmm. at least on the surface yeah (laughs) Uh, and as libby says i i like that she it was sort of reverse manifest destiny like she went east Mm -hmm. um i don't know it it it, it's nice to it's nice it was nice to talk to this woman and and she's in the middle of this transformation. Yeah, she's like still processing. Yeah, totally. The story isn't done. But you the know, story it's... isn't done. And and we got to catch up with her uh, while she's still pretty unsure, mm-hmm. which is just a nice thing. It reminds me a lot of uh, the season one confessor who was talking about that, that fear of like, oh my God, I can't protect my kids from everything. Yeah, it's not necessarily because something happened or is imminent it's just that. Well, the, confession, it's the realization yeah the confession wasn't a narrative yeah it's exactly just this feeling and this person's really good at explaining what they're feeling mm-hmm. and that's how i felt about this confessor similar as well. type of confession mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 uh it, the feeling is very visceral like you i can feel i haven't i haven't moved as an adult mm-hmm. i'm i'm right now currently living in the place i've lived the longest in my entire life mm-hmm. you know and that's been essentially almost all of my 20s and I'm pushing my end of the 30s you know <laughs> well the thing the thing with you too is that you haven't just lived in the same city you live in the same house yeah, that, yeah that's what I mean that's I mean wild. it's like I I have not had I, roots like that most of my life I moved around a decent amount you know from New Jersey to San Antonio then I wasn't there that long and into college and a couple places there but then once I hit Austin I've been pretty stationary, yet at the same time, I hear this confessor speak and I I can somehow identify with all of those same feelings and notions, just even as just a fantasy. Yeah. You know? She, uh, I admire her for taking action. Yeah, me I, too. I like that a lot. I, you know, I've always been skeptical of this idea that you can move to another place and it's better. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, for that to be the reason why you're moving, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Did do, do you feel like you chased that? Like when you went to New York, or vice versa, when you came back, do you feel like you were chasing better in a way? Yeah, yeah. In some sense, I mean, I was 
I was in my early twenties, so yeah. I didn't have a the best you know sense of self. But yeah, I was chasing that a little bit. I mean, I didn't leave either place because I thought it was bad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, thought there would just maybe be more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting now because when I hear about people moving, and I've met some people who've moved, and they're you know older, I totally think it's a valid way to address issues sometimes yeah i mean you know i talk about it all the time Mm -hmm. it'll happen at some point in in my adult life my wife and i talk about it every single week you know and it's still several years away but i I, maybe that's why i identify with this confession so much is because she does seem like it's a decision that she made when she was older and in some ways like you know we're lucky that the way we live our lives we have the freedom to kind of go anywhere it's Mm -hmm. not dependent on like oh i have to find a job in this city yeah. You know, I get to kind of make the choice and then set up the career as as needed. You know, it can come with me in a lot of ways and and all of that. So it's that the freedom to go anywhere is also terrifying. <laughs> what what if this woman just the next week was like fuck this place and move back to Seattle? Yeah, right. I know. I wish we knew that part. That's like that's that's the beauty of this is we just you know, we get to make up the end. The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by me, Walker Lukens, Zach Catanzaro, Jim Eno, Aaron Blackerby, Michael Lee, and Rylan Kettery. It's distributed by KUT KUTX Studios. East was written, recorded, and performed by Libby Rodenbo. The Song Confessional theme song you heard at the top was written and performed by me, Walker Lukens, Zach Catanzaro, Sam Pankey, and James Wesley Essery. It was mixed and recorded by Jim Eno. Thanks to Grant Epley, who was their assistant engineering. Love you, Grant. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, the absolute best thing you can do is take your favorite episode and send it to your mom, your dad, your cousin, your best friend, your worst enemy, anybody you want. And if you want to do a little more, give us a like, maybe a review or subscribe.